And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome. Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer, and we're back with another episode of 1% Better. And normally, this time of year, Zach, on this podcast, we'd be talking about lots of things the Colts have done. Um, maybe not lots, but maybe a handful. <laughs> Of things the Colts have done. And this year it's a little different. Even for the Colts, who are not a big free agency team. It's been very, very quiet. The biggest news is, frankly, their own players coming back. And that's never a bad thing if you're a decent team. But uh, I I think we have a lot to talk about in this podcast in terms of what the Colts have not done. And in terms of what that means for where they're going and who they are. So this is like basically team run it back right now. And I know some of you have mixed feelings about that, but um, obviously with some, with one particular notable change at quarterback. But but they're very much they're very much running it back. Um, Let's let's just start real quick though at the top, Zach, with T. Y. Hilton. I think this was the right move. It sounds like Jim Mercey did what he had to do, and and made an executive decision on this one. Of Ty is to be believed, and that was what I had heard, and I think you as well. Yeah. Uh, th- what do you think this means, both for on the field and just in terms of his place with the team, the franchise, the locker room? I, I really think. I mean, look at how vocal some of his teammates were. I-, I, I think this was something they had to do personally. Yes, Your because thoughts? the alternative on a couple of fronts is is almost unthinkable. It's not just TY's leaving, it's what the heck are you going to do at receiver? And it's kind of crazy. If you look at the receiver group right now, I like it. Now, you got to have Paris Campbell stay healthy. I'm really high on Paris Campbell. I think he can play. Yeah. I think they can use him all over the field and I think he can play. And then with Michael Pittman and I assume they bring Zach Pascal back and TY who can still play as well. That's a good group. That's four. You want to add some guys. Maybe Desmond Patman fights in there during training camp and um, you know, Ashton Doolin has made some plays before, a great special teams guy. So together as a whole, I like that group. If you remove T.Y., I don't like the group. I just don't. Um, I think there's a lot that he brings both on the field and in the locker room that's very valuable. And I know that, and you heard this as well, that, you know, this is a crazy thought. And tell me if, if you don't agree, but I think there's a legit chance this guy is better in 2021 than he was in 19 and 20. And the reason I say that is the guy at quarterback now. T.Y. is not going to be T.Y. from 13 and 14, but the deep ball could return. Carson Wentz has a cannon of an arm. He can extend plays in the pocket, which allows T.Y. to get open on a double move. They have the line that can protect. It just wasn't Phillip Rivers' strong suit, and I loved watching Phillip Rivers' dissected defense. It was really fun last year to watch Rivers work, but he didn't do that particularly well. They had some deep shots. But I think this offense is going to look a lot more like it did in 18 at the end of the season than it did last year and in 19. It just, it just, 
I mean, you even heard T.Y. talk about it yesterday. He was comparing the quarterbacks. He said he could run a, a route blind, and he knew the ball would be there if Luck was the quarterback. He said Jacoby liked to see the route first and then throw it. Mm-hmm. That hits on the head, doesn't it? Yeah. And then I, he said Rivers was all timing. Yes. Now, Wentz isn't Luck. Like, I'm not saying that. You know that. Everybody out there knows that. But Wentz can throw it deep, and you know how Frank wants to step on the gas and take some shots. And I think T.Y. can still play. And if with that backfield they've got, which they have to respect, defenses have to respect Taylor and Mack and Hines with Nelson and Kelly protecting the middle, I think you could see a really good season from T.Y. Maybe I'm talking myself into that, but I think that's why this is such a huge thing that they got him back. Yeah, I mean, look, I think with Wentz and his situation, his recent history, anytime we're talking about something that involves Wentz, we are talking ourselves into it a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, just yeah you're right. You're right. You, you have to make some assumptions because otherwise then he's trash and then, <laughs> then this was this is going to be a disaster, right? But right. Like, it's, we're, we're giving based a look- on that. Yeah, yeah. So like that that's like baked into the cake. It's fine. Like that otherwise, I mean, we have to take a half full view of it because the half empty view is, well, this is going to be a complete train wreck. <laughs> so so fine. Let's do that. But and we're doing that also to be to be fair to us because there are reasons for that. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, between the offense and the supporting cast and the coaching and the system, all of those things are are reasons for giving that half full view now to your point about ty i i do agree i've said it all along and i think when we say that he could be better this year i i'm glad you said what you said because it's not a slight on philip rivers at all like no, at all i want that to be clear yeah i i just think they're different they're absolutely different i think what ty which you just outlined about what ty said to pat mcafee i think is extraordinarily accurate. <laughs> There's T. no y. question is about really it. really smart. He really understands football. So, T.Y., I will tell you something. and You know this, but I don't know if the listeners do. T.Y. has always, I think his reputation has always been built on his athletic ability. Speed, you know, ability to make people miss, whatever it is, right? But really, as much as that, I think the other thing about T.Y. that is equally great is his football IQ. That guy understands football. And you know who would tell you that more than anybody on the planet? Andrew Luck. Yep. And other quarterbacks, too. Yep. But Andrew Luck especially. Yeah, no question. I mean, Matt Hasselbeck, I've talked to him about this. I mean, look, there's no question that T.Y. understands it. There's a reason why he does what he does against zone defenses. And, you know, you can say what you want about about him against, you know, physical man coverage. Look, he, he has had some difficulties against that, but a lot of people do. So, fine. But the reason he's so good against zone coverage is, is because he sees the whole field. Like, he understands it. And he understands the perfect spot to be in position to get the football. The question is going to be, can him and Carson see it the same way? And and that's going to be determined. We'll see. we got a long way to go. But that's going to have to evolve. And that, that's going to take some time. So I don't know if they're going to come out of the gate gangbusters. But I do think they have an opportunity uh, to develop that. And if they do, then I think T.Y. really could be off to the races. The other thing is, as you said, the running game is a part of this. You've got to make people pay with the play action. Well, you can't have this backfield that they have. With Marlon Mack back now, by the way. You can't have this backfield and and not fully utilize all the advantages of that. And the advantages go well beyond just running for a lot of yards. The advantages should really 
be seen in your passing game too. If they're not, then you're not fully uh, you're not fully exploiting all of the advantages you have there. So I mean, so they, let's, they got to make people pay. Let's dig into what you just said. Like we haven't really talked about this since they signed Marlon Mack, and we haven't really, at least I haven't from my end, pictured a backfield with all four of these guys because I thought Marlon Mack wasn't going to be back. To be honest, just on based what, but based on what Chris said at the end of the season, it's bananas. <laughs> Marlon Mack is really good, and I think I'm higher on him than most people. But this guy is like legit stud running back, make you miss speed incredible vision i mean there were times last year when you'd see jonathan taylor run into a defender and you'd say mac would have spun around him and been gone i mean this has potential to be the best running game in the league i'm confident saying that and i know frank reich is amped because you know how much he loves running the ball you've got nelson and kelly and glowinski and one of the best right tackles in football especially against the run you know in the run in braden smith I mean, this could be a monster rushing season for this team. And that's music to the ears of Carson Wentz, but also T.Y. Hilton because of what you just said. Because the play action, because Pittman and, and, and all the different weapons they could possibly have now, they're gonna defenses are going to have to respect this running game because the Colts' third stringer is Naheem Hines, who couldn't break any play open for a touchdown. This has got to be the deepest class, uh, the deepest running back room in the league. I mean, it, it's just got to be. I mean, this is... This is setting up to be a fun season if you like running the football. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that this is a, a new era of football. I understand all that. And uh, look, they'll throw the ball plenty. Okay, look, don't mind that. They, they will. Uh, Frank Reich is all about throwing the football. But you can't tell me that <laughs> that this is not an asset for this team. I mean, like, I don't know how much they're going to run the ball. I don't know what the balance and the play selection is going to be. I don't think it matters. I don't it's care. It's a good problem to have yeah exactly i mean i i just think it it has it really goes further in i think solidifying what we have said about carson Wentz from day one which is if he can't do it here he can't do it anywhere this is going to be i I get this team has some holes i understand all that that's no left tackles a problem right you got to deal with that i get it i get it but in due time and i get that you know tight end needs a boost i understand all of those things that being said, like you can't tell me you can't look at this offensive depth chart and and tell me that Carson Wentz shouldn't be able to make something happen. I mean, if he can't, then that is on him. He's got he's gonna yeah. have every advantage he could possibly want. And I I can't see a scenario where well let me rephrase that. I could see a scenario where he screws it up, but if he does, then I think that says more about him than anything. That's that's bottom line. Bottom, I'm just gonna line. assume that he's gonna I mean, this is everything is set up well for him. They'll get the left tackle position solved, I believe, in the draft. Um, if they draft the right guy, then you've got someone there for a long time. Um, everything is set up for them to have for Carson Wentz to have success here. It's just how it is. Um, they've got some holes to fill for sure, but um, the one thing I I just kind of wish they would go get is is a playmaking tight end. And I understand it's easier said than done, but I think it's been very clear in our conversations with Frank. And both Frank and Jim Mercer over the last month or two that it's like they want that they want that Eric Ebron type tight end. They want that pass catcher at tight end. Now, I understand it's harder to go get it than it is for me to say it. But, um, you know, that's the one thing coming out of free agency on the offensive side of the ball that I'm kind of just like, I don't think you got any better at tight end because you didn't add anybody. Jack Doyle's a year older. Marley Cox is tendered right now. I assume he comes back. 
Trey Burton's out there. That doesn't do a whole lot for me. You know, that's the one position I'd like for them to address. I think the good thing about tight end is I think there's a history of of young tight ends coming into the NFL and having an immediate impact. I think you can do that, especially n- nowadays. The tight ends are, at least you know, the athletic ones, they're so heavily involved in the college passing games. Now, whether they can block anybody, I can't tell you, but that's... <laughs> I think that's going to be okay. Like, they can make that concession here. I mean, Eric Ebron, they didn't sign him to go block anybody, as we well know, okay? <laughs> as okay? Eric knows. As Eric will happily tell you, like, yeah, you know, I'll stick my face in there. But, but you know. hey, you know what speaks, though? 14 touchdowns in one right. season. Right. Look, I mean, the guy is who he is, okay? But you can't knock it. You can't knock the numbers, right? And, and I get Andrew Luck had a lot to do with that, but that's fine. My point is, I, I think that they can – they can solve that problem in the draft. And the, the one thing they have done is they have the, – the problems they have left to solve outside of defensive end, I feel like. I mean, I'm talking about tight end and I'm talking about offensive tackle. Those two issues are issues you can really address in a very concerted fashion in this draft and come out of it feeling like, all right, we're in decent shape there. Maybe not where you want to be, but you can come out of this draft feeling like, all right, we're ready to roll. We can play and compete in 2021 at those positions. I think so, you're right. And I think I, I think that's a good point because you can see you could see tight ends coming in and playing well as rookies. It happens with left tackles. And what they did this week, they signed Sam Tevy, they signed Julian Davenport. These are guys that probably aren't going to be starting a lot of games for the Colts. These guys are backup tackles that will give you depth at that position where you feel good if you draft a guy high and he comes in and you've got You've got insurance in case that guy gets hurt or plays poorly. But um, I think they're setting themselves up to give themselves a really good position to go get someone on the draft at left tackle. I, I want to say just one quick thing about Sam Tevy, uh, who I am not an expert on, let me tell you. But uh, I believe he signed a one-year contract. But I, I did do a little bit of work on him, and he he actually has started a lot of games. This guy started, I think, over 40 games. He was a left tackle. I think, yeah. yeah was a left tackle for the Chargers last season, and make of that what you will, <laughs> because I don't know what that says. I don't know how you internalize that, but, you know, look, he, he played left tackle last season. He's played both. He told us he's he's comfortable playing either. What I'm saying is I, he is not, no, 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 he is not the left tackle of the future. However, what he does do is, as you just said, he's, all, he's insurance, but he's also, I think he takes the pressure off a rookie, a potential rookie. Yeah. If if that guy's not ready on day one, you can play Sam Tevy and maybe you just put the tight end over there and you help him if you have to, you know, against speed rushers or, or whatever the case might be. Whatever is is called for. I don't know enough about the guy to have. You know who Sam Tevy isn't? He's not Chaz Green. <laughs> so yes. they got better at tackle. And Davenport <laughs> right. has had a season where he started 15 games for the Texans. Same kind of thing. Can play both sides. A little bit like Joe Hegg, right? Can play left, can play right. You got to have those guys. I think the Colts learned their lesson in Pittsburgh last year when they had to play Chaz Green and they lost and they and they fell apart in the second half because Rivers was getting murdered. And that was a game that would have won them the division if everything played out the same way the rest of the way. So I think that's they're setting themselves up and they're giving themselves a little bit. This is going to help them sleep a little bit better at night, right? Having these guys yeah. that could play if you need them. Sometimes you know we we get caught up looking at at the big issues and there are big issues, right? That we just talked about some of them and defensive end we'll get to in a second. Like, so 
I, I know we, we those dominate the conversation most of the time, but sometimes we gloss over some of this stuff. And and I think the offensive line depth is something that we maybe have glossed over too much the last few years. And it has always, not always, but it has occasionally, last year included, come back to bite them. And I feel like that is an area where I feel like right now, I think Sam Tebby in particular, uh, and if they draft a tackle, as I fully expect, I think they're better their depth is better. Now, their starting five can't be better because you lose a really good left tackle. So, you know, they're going to take a step back. It is what it yeah. is. But we already knew that, and there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, but I do think the depth will be better, and it's not sexy. It's not going to win you the Super Bowl, maybe. But uh, it could also – it could, on the other hand, prevent you from looking like the Chiefs <laughs> if you get to the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> because, God, that was bad with their backups. Ugh. So – that's that's a key, you know what I mean? It's just it is what it is. I mean, you got to play if you've got to play two, uh, excuse me, play a game without your starting tackles as they did this year or last year. You know, you want to at least have a fighting chance. And so, I remember talking to Ballard that week, and 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 I remember asking him like, "There's no good offensive tackles on the street that you can sign in December," <laughs> and he's like, "They don't exist." No. And remember, they got lucky and they signed Jared Valdir out of retirement, and that worked. But you can't bank on that. So right. this is in their mindset. Go back to last year. They did the same thing at slot corner. When Kenny Moore went down late in 19, they fell apart on defense. It was abysmal. New Orleans, Tampa yep. Bay, Jacksonville, they, these teams torched them. And Ballard told himself, I'm going to go get us a backup slot corner. It might not make headlines, but it's going to give us a position to still win games if that guy goes out. And so they went and signed TJ Carey, and he played pretty well last year. So this year, they're addressing the tackle depth, and they're going to get guys that will get them through games that aren't Chaz Green, right? That are a step up right. from that. So you know, we don't just we don't talk about for the worst. We don't talk about these things until they become a problem. Sometimes, and then you feel and, good about it because you went out and got the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and frankly, we'll probably never talk about this again unless unless it becomes an issue. You know, and, right. unless it comes into play. So right. it, it may never even help them, right? It may not even matter. But but if it does, you know, it's kind of like having. It's kind of like having car insurance, you know. I pay that bill every month, and I hate it, and you know, and I got a, I got a twenty-one-year-old driver. Trust me, so like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it hurts, okay. But like, you know, I pay that bill every month, and very reluctantly, and but hello, if I ever need it, guess what? <laughs> you know, um, I'm making that phone call. So that's just how it is. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. Now, I did a this is not really shifting gears, but I guess continuing on the thought. I did a, a depth chart today, a pro- projected depth chart, very much emphasis on the word projected, okay? Because it's March, right? So we don't even know what this team's gonna look like in in the end. By the way, in doing this, I think I realized the Colts have like 75 players on their roster. So they got a lot of spots left. They're they're gonna sign a bunch of they're not done, right? Yeah, they've got room on this roster. So so this is not a 90-man roster. But anyhow, I did this just for, you know, shits and giggles. I do and, want to ask you about your defensive ends because I yeah. read that this morning. And what do you think about the starting defensive ends being Kamoko Toure and Taekwon Lewis? Well, I, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> That's what <laughs> exactly. I had. And so I put myself in – Matt Eberflus shoes, and if it's week one and I'm looking at if this is my lineup, well, that's my starting lineup. I don't know. What are my options? Ben Banigou? <laughs> to be completely honest, I don't have any use for Ben Banigou right now. I, I just don't, you know, so. I think he played, to, I mean, yeah, like it was just a completely lost 2020 season for Ben. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, if the season kicked off today, and thank God it doesn't, but if the season kicked off today, you're talking about Kamoko Ture and, and Taekwon Lewis being the starting defensive ends. I mean, Taekwon Lewis, by the way, a guy who they still can't figure out what position he plays. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Not that so, not that he didn't take a step forward last year. He did. He definitely did. He did. And not that Ture can't be that guy. I mean, there's there have been flashes of him being a stud on the end. I think last year was lost basically to the injury. But we did get to talk to Isaac Rochelle this week, and I was impressed. He's very well-spoken, and I thought the the process that played out for him in free agency was fascinating. He's, you know, four years with the Chargers, comes over to the Colts, not a big name, hasn't started a ton of games, nine, nine and a half sacks, I think, in four years. But I think he was really drawn to the Colts because of their system and because he noticed that a lot of guys in free agency will just go sign for the most money. And look, I'm not I'm not blaming you for that. But I think he feels like the Colts are a really good spot for him. And I think this is a guy that could really kind of fill that Muhammad slash Autry role and really contribute quietly over a couple years. Um, he could be a really nice signing down the line. I'm not ruling him out as a starter. You know, I asked him, yeah. did they tell you where you think you're going to fit in? And he basically said, I'm going to go in and compete. Of course, I want to start. Now, I guess that's the stock answer. But this is going to be a guy to keep an eye on. I thought, I thought he really gets it. And I think he's going to fit in well here. 
I will give Chris Ballard and his his staff this. They've done well with those kinds of signings. And so I think you, you mentioned Al Quidim Muhammad, who okay, another guy who, you know, when you're when you're looking at the team on, on opening day, he's way down the list of guys that you're interested in talking about, right? But he always made a play or two. I mean, he made a play in the playoff game in Buffalo. He had a sack, you know? Absolutely. And, and so I think you, you have to have those role players who, who can step in and play big snaps for you. And, and you're not terrified that you're putting them in, in the game at a pivotal moment. You, you got to have players like that. And so Ballard always says he wants, he wants eight or nine mm -hmm. on that defensive line that can come in and rotate. And if you don't have a Freenie or Mathis, you've got to have a bunch of guys that can contribute. That's the reality they're at right now. Yeah, so so as as mixed as the results have been with those big ticket picks on the defensive line or defensive end specifically, and I'm talking about really three guys that we already mentioned: Toure because of his injuries, Lewis just up and down really is the big problem there, just the lack of consistency. And and I think hope, hopefully now he's up, we'll see. But then Banigou, who I, I just I don't know what to make of him. He just has not shown anything so mm -hmm. as much as those three picks have huge question marks they've done a good job i think of backfilling some spots i mean i talked about muhammad i think rochelle is going to be that potentially taylor stallworth is an example of that like you know yeah. where'd this guy come from just they, earned they, his way in camp last year yeah they get him on the roster and he played a lot and was like a big time run stopper for him so and to be honest, I've never even met the guy because <laughs> we had COVID last year. I don't even know what he looks <laughs> right. like. So right. uh, it's just a weird, it's a weird phenomenon. But but they have done a good job of backfilling those depth spots on the defensive line. What they have to do a better job of is is finding those lead horses when it comes to the edge rushers. It's it's hard. Okay, I get it. It's hard, especially when you're not picking in the top half of the first round, which they never do. So you kind of are where you are. Um, but beyond that, looking at this roster that I did, I, I would say a couple of things. We've, we've already talked about the offensive line. We touched on um, we touched on tight end, wide receiver. Uh, well, here's the other question I guess I have. Uh, linebacker, first of all, linebacker looks great. I, I, I really like that, even without Anthony Walker. I think the question's, you know, who's going to be that third linebacker? But um, that guy's not going to play a lot. So right. I don't worry about that. So you're talking right now that third linebacker spot. You'll have Darius Leonard at weak side, Bobby Okiriki in the middle. Okay, give me those two 10 times out of 10. And then the strong side, you're talking about theoretically a battle between Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, maybe Matt Adams. We'll see. Uh, but I think that will be just sort of a, a platoon situation. If I'm wrong, if I'm not mistaken, he kept seven linebackers yes. after camp last year when you usually only play two on the field at the same time. Yep. And you talk to Ballard afterward, he's like, look, they're good players. I don't want to let them go. And, and that's how they feel about their linebackers. So even without Walker, um, probably the deepest unit on the team. The position I want to ask you about on that side of the ball that we haven't hit on a lot is 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 secondary, oh, especially the cornerback <laughs> position. Yeah. So Xavier's back. That's great. The guys that haven't been mentioned that could really step up this year, two names come to mind for me. Isaiah Rogers, who we saw in Buffalo play well. And I'm not talking special teams. I'm talking mm -hmm. legit outside corner. And then Marvell Tell is back, who sat out last year and has a lot of the traits they like in this defense and isn't going to get a lot of 
anticipation because, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him and he's been out of sight, out of mind for the last 12 months. But they have some guys coming up in the ranks in the secondary that might really play some big roles for them. Yeah, I mean, Marvell Tell, who opted out last year under the COVID rules, I mean, he's one of those guys when he gets off the bus, <laughs> you know, that whole cliche, when he gets off the bus, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, long. I, I, I told somebody the other day, uh, he reminds me, I, years ago, I covered Aqib Tlaib. He has that kind of body type, and, and Aqib was just a, such a unique matchup for wide receivers because they don't ever match up against a, a guy that long with that kind of reach and, and arm length and and just length in general. So it really does, I think, present a challenge. Now, you know, what is the what is going to be the effect of a year off? I don't know, but I think that that's something that will be determined in training camp. But I, I'm interested to see him. I'm very intrigued by Marvell Tell. Isaiah Rogers, same thing. That kid is just fun. I think he's just he's just a play waiting to happen. Now yeah. He may screw up a bunch. I don't know. Okay. It may be one of those things, boomer bust type of deal. You know, he's undersized. He's got some things going on there, but, but I'm, I just, you see him as a kick returner, right? I mean, it's like when he gets the ball in his hands, (laughs) you do hold your breath a little bit, you know? And I, I just think he has some juice. He just has some juice. And I've already been told that he's in the mix, not as a starter, but that's, we're not putting any labels on it. He's in the mix. We'll see what happens. So Yeah, that's what's going to be fun in camp. And it's going to be a huge camp for another guy at corner. And that's Rocky Sin because yeah. I don't know where we're at two years in. We've seen some good. We've seen a lot of bad. We've seen a lot of penalties. We've seen a lot of, lot of long games that he's given up. And I know the Colts are not giving up on Rock. It's a tough position to come, to, come into in the league. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn by failure. Um but there are some guys behind him that can play, and I think that have some upside. So it's going to be fascinating to see that group play out in camp against a pretty stacked wide receiver group, Pittman, Pascal, T.Y., um, Campbell. Um, that's going to be fun. But I, I really do think we might be overlooking these young corners because you never know where the breakout's going to come from. I think Tell and maybe Isaiah Rogers could be guys to really keep an eye on come August. Yeah, I, my impression – just my educated guess is that so the day one of training camp, I think when that first defense runs out there, I think Rocky Sim will be there. However, it's exactly what you just said. Those other guys have reason to be confident. They have the, the eye of the coaches, right? The, they have caught the coach's attention. And we'll just see. Let it play out. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. Let the best man win. And and we'll just see how it goes. And then you got Kenny Moore doing his job. And, you know, we never worry about Kenny Moore, to be honest. So, uh but but I think this is there's a larger point here. When you talk about these young corners, that's a great segue to something I want to just mention real quick. There are some other spots on the cor- on the roster that are similar where they have some young guys that they want to see more of. And I think the Colts are in a little bit of a, an interesting phase. Like I know fans let me explain what I mean. Fans, I think, are thinking, okay, well, what's what's going to get us to the Super Bowl? What's what's left? What do we got to do to get us to the Super Bowl? Of course, yeah. they've done none of that. So, so a right. lot of people are pissed. I don't know if they're. I don't know if Chris Ballard, at least, I know Frank Reich is thinking we're going to win the whole damn thing. Now, yes. what is Chris Ballard thinking though? I think he and his personnel staff are are also doing a lot of evaluating, and and there's a little bit of a slow build going there. And to do that, you have to know what you have. So who are these young players? Who is Michael Pittman? Who is 
Paris Campbell, if he can stay healthy. I know, I know, I know. Don't yeah. don't send me the emails. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, I think they want to learn more about these guys. Like, so people have been asking, you know, did they settle by resigning Ty as opposed to going out and getting, you know, just throwing a name against the wall? Why not go get Kenny Galladay or something? And and I think the answer is. They think they have a lot of talent on the roster, but they need to know more. And to know to know more, to learn more, they got to play. And another avenue to that, that's a really good point, is the Colts, if they go out and get some veteran free agents and plug and play, you're not going to see those young guys play. Like, right. there's only so many spots. If you go sign another defensive end, which I think they should. I think they need to add some pass rush. I've been clear about that. Then you're not going to get to see if, if Toure can be the every down guy. Or if Bandicoot has anything, or if you know if, if like that's key. Like that, I remember they cut a couple guys a couple years ago, and in talking about it, he's like, "Look, I, I want to see if the young guys can play." And that's what you're talking about in that slow build. Like, let's see if Isaiah Rogers can play outside corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the other vibe I have gotten from talking to a bunch of people inside and outside the building in the last two weeks, the Colts just didn't see a lot of guys in this free agent class that were A players. And by A players, they're the guys that you go out and pay. Like last year they did. His name was DeForest Buckner, and Ballard opened up the checkbook. He's very selective when it comes to giving those types of contracts because he hasn't missed on a lot of them, and that should tell you something. They just weren't going to pay for guys they didn't see. Like they didn't think there was a Freeney or Mathis out there, so they're not going to go give that kind of contract out to a guy that's just not at that level. That's basically the vibe that I've gotten um, we'll, like you mentioned last week on the podcast, like we'll see in two years whether these yeah. free agents contracts have been smart moves or, you know, just because they're free agents doesn't mean they're great players. Like there's a lot of ways to look at this. Like, first of all, there's a reason they're available. Think about that for a second. A lot of people forget this. There's a reason their team didn't want them. It could be a bunch of different reasons. I understand that. But you have to weigh that into the factor and into the equation. And then also... The money's going to go up. It's always going to be higher than what what you can negotiate if they're on your roster. So I think when the Colts looked at the free agent class, they saw some good players. I don't think they saw any really, really great elite players that they were willing to spend that kind of money on. They've spent that money before, and they've hit on it most times. And when they look at their players, they're like, nah, we'd rather pay those guys. We'd rather pay Darius a ton of money. We'd rather pay Quentin a ton of money. We'd rather pay Kenny Moore a couple years ago and Ryan Kelly last year and Grover Stewart. That's just their approach. You got to give Chris Ballard credit. He has a plan and he sticks to it. You can disagree all you want. And I disagree with some spots this year. I don't think they've gotten better in a couple areas I'd like to see them get better at. But this is their approach. And and we'll see. It'll be fun to see in a couple years how these free agent contracts look down the line. Yeah. and And I think to take what you're saying a step further, I think there's another element to this. And it's developing players, too. Yes. Okay? Because this is something Chris Ballard has told us as well. He's like, you got to believe in your coaches. Now, you can say it's blind faith here. Not to say the coaches aren't good. I'm saying you you might argue, maybe maybe just you know theoretically, you might argue, and potentially correctly, <laughs> that they're having too much faith in some cases, right? That's, that's fine. That's a totally fair argument. I don't care. I'm just saying to the listener out there, this is a real thing. This is part of the philosophy. So they're thinking, okay, yeah, like I said earlier, maybe we are running it back. But they're thinking, okay, well, these young players we're talking about, they're a year older. They're going to play more. They're going to grow. They're going to be better. We're going to develop them. 
So that does happen. That should be happening, honestly. If you have two things, good players and good coaches, they should be getting, especially young players, they should be getting better on a year-to-year basis. If they're not, then something in that process is not working. There's a disconnect there, and, and one piece of that is missing. If if that's happening, that's a good thing. And so they're banking heavily on that, for better or worse. I'm not telling you it's going to work. I don't know. I'm just saying that's part of the philosophy. And and I've seen this happen. We have all seen this happen, right? So, so we'll see. I mean, I think I go back to Anthony Walker is a great example, um, and we'll miss him because just Anthony's just just a great human being, right? Uh, but Anthony Walker is a great example, and I've told this story before. But when he was drafted in 2017, and you know that draft was kind of messy. Ballard was new. He had the old coaching staff with Chuck Pagano. It, it wasn't really a good situation at all, and it frankly was his worst draft <laughs> by far. Yeah. But anyhow, he had, he had the scouts that there were holdovers from the Greek scenario, right? He did. You don't he change did. the scouts until after the next draft. Right. So not not a great situation. And so in that draft, they get Anthony Walker. And I thought the late round picks in that draft were actually the best picks. Marlon Mack was one of them, for example. Anthony came in in training camp and preseason. I don't even remember him really making much of an impact. That coaching staff wanted to cut him. They didn't have any use for him. They thought that he wasn't a good fit and that, yeah, we, we have other guys we like better. And Ballard stood his ground and kept him because he knew the coaching staff wasn't for long, right? So... Anyhow, here we are, and three years later, that guy is probably going to be a starter for the Cleveland Browns after starting the past two years here and being, I think, one of the big leaders on this team. So a a big reason for that is because Anthony Walker is an incredibly hard worker. He is a very, very smart football player, but also those coaches get a lot of credit. It developed him. Okay, They made him into a player, and I think we saw him get better. That's the key. You, if you're seeing those players get better, then that tells you something. I think Okiriki is an example of that, right? I mean, he's, an, he's a guy who came in here and week to week just kept making play after play and getting better and more confident. He's talented, but he's getting good coaching, and, and they're doing a good job of helping him in that development. So, so we'll see. I, again, putting a lot on the shoulders of his coaches, but that's it's part of the gig, you know? So it's we'll, no- we'll see. No different than what he's doing with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's your quarterback, Frank. You better make it work. I believe in you, but let's make it work. Uh, it's the same thing on the defensive line. I mean, I, Brian Baker, you could you could see his fingerprints all over that unit this year. And it wasn't just Buckner, but you saw the step up that Grover Stewart made. You yes. saw the production from Taylor Stallworth, the guy that came in the first day of camp and none of us knew who he was. And you saw, um, you know, Muhammad make plays. And so... Yeah, I, this is something that gets lost a lot. But you talk to executives around the league, and you talk to scouts, and they're like, they have coaches that will coach these guys up. That wasn't always the case in India, and you saw some stagnant guys that just didn't get better, and then they would have to release them. But you've seen it here happen a lot where guys really get better. And, and maybe the best example is Kenny Moore. I mean, him with Jonathan Gannon. I mean, Kenny just skyrocketed from where he started when he arrived with the Colts to where he is now, you know, one of the best slot corners in the league. I mean, we weren't talking about Kenny Moore at the start of the 2018 season, and right. by the middle of it, we were. So, you know, don't rule that out. We'll, we'll see what happens, but you know, that's a big part of this. And if you have the right foundation where you can be patient with certain guys, you can see them really start to develop, and and that allows you to not have to go out and sign expensive free agents. Yeah. So, again, I mean, look, there is no 
like foolproof way to go about any of this. Okay, nobody has all the answers, including certainly including me. Okay, nobody has all the answers. Not your buddy at the water cooler. Not even the GMs in the league. Okay, no one has all the answers. So, you know, we can we can look at the roster and we can ask a lot of questions. And I think the questions are very very legitimate. Uh, in the end, there's only one way to be proved to be proven. Excuse me, right or wrong, and it's. You know, it's a, football's a meritocracy. You will be what at the end of the year? What your record says you are, right? So uh, we'll, we'll know. We'll know these answers in time. And I think we'll start to see those answers play out from week to week as the season starts. But I, I actually think it's fascinating, you know, because they're, they're clearly, they've clearly dug their heels in on this particular method and watching how it works for good or bad or better or worse. I think for me, it, it's fascinating, but I'm also not... I also don't have the fan investment, <laughs> so right. it's a little different for me, maybe. But I, I get it when uh, when your heart's in it. It's a little different. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of a reporter, and you know, I like to watch those little trends and plots play out. But yeah, again, I'm not, I don't have my pom poms. It'll probably a little be a little different if I did. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. So I think we'll we'll start focusing more on the draft here. I think at this point, uh, keep in mind. We mentioned defensive end. There, there will still, there still potentially will be a handful of other free agent moves. They may not make big headlines, but Justin Houston is still on the table. So we'll see what happens with that. Remember, he was not an early signing when he signed originally uh, two years ago. He signed, I think, at least a week into free agency. So he has a history of taking his time. So we'll see what happens there. There are some other veteran free agent defensive ends they have been talking to. I don't know the names. But there are multiple other guys they've been in contact with, from what I'm told. So yeah, you, you got to add something there. You'd think. Yeah, you can look at who's available and probably do the math. So anyway, um, that's where we're at. So it's interesting. Um, I, I think you can tell a lot by looking at where the team is at this point. The draft still pending, but um, you know you can start to form some opinions about what they are, and <laughs> you can make of that what you will. So. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, if you guys aren't subscribers, by the way, I think there's a few days left on our $1 a month special. I would get in on that. Um, yeah. Great response so far. It's so the best, best you're going to find in terms yeah. of deals. Yeah, we don't do that too often. Uh, Black Friday is usually the only time they do it, but they've now extended it because of draft coverage and, and for agency uh, as well. So take advantage of that. I think it's up next week, so you don't have much time left. Uh, beyond that, thank you so much for listening. Subscribing to the podcast. Uh, you guys are great. And I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. We'll be back again, I think, next week uh, with more. So thanks for listening. And this is 1% Better.